I want to take a break today from our Abraham series. And we're going to take a one-week break. We'll be back in Abraham next week. And I want to talk about something that I have never in my 15 years of senior pastor preached a message about here at Mount Hope. And in fact, as far as I know, has never been preached at Mount Hope. Uh, but it's something that I feel a burden and, and uh, we as pastors have been thinking about and feel a burden to talk about um, at, uh, at Mount Hope. And it's Lent. And this is different for a Protestant Pentecostal church. But I want to talk about it this morning. How many of you, let me start with this, how many of you grew up in a church tradition that recognized Lent? How many? A lot of you? Okay. All right. How, how many of you, uh, you know, put your hand up. Has that been a helpful experience for you? Something that has helped you grow and helped you in your walk with the Lord? Um, so a few, but not as many as hands went up uh, in the first. I think it can be. And I recognize that reality. I recognize the reality of what I just saw. That a lot of hands went up, said, I saw, Lent, I, you know, I, I, I had Lent in our church, but not as many went up and said it was something that was helpful and I look forward to. Uh, and maybe you were just afraid. I don't know how to put your hand up. But I, but I think there's a reality that maybe uh, for many people that grew up in a tradition that celebrated Lent, it, it was something that maybe you didn't look forward to. Maybe you didn't see as helpful in your walk with the Lord. And so I put that word up there today and you're like, oh, I didn't think we had that in this church. Um, and actually I thought about that reality. I thought, man, if I get up here and talk about this, there's a lot of people that maybe came from a tradition like that. And they're like, I don't, I thought I left that. Uh, so we actually in our Every Tuesday, we have our message prep meeting with a number of us on the communication team. But we invited some people from the church. We had about seven or eight people that we invited in that come from a tradition um, that recognizes Lent. And we said, hey, talk to us about it. What was it like for you? What was helpful? What was unhelpful? And for me, who kind of grew up, well, here mostly in this church, it was really helpful to hear some people's experiences. I mean, I... Uh, if you know my family background, my, my parents were both raised in the Catholic Church. I was christened in the Catholic Church, but I didn't, was only there until I was pretty young. I never made confirmation or anything like that. So I didn't really grow up with an understanding of what it meant. But here's what I'm learning lately. Here's what I'm learning. I'm learning, I think, when it comes to following Christ, but really I'm learning with anything important in life, it is important often to have rhythms in life to keep you focused on what's important. I mean, you have rhythms in life that keep you focused on what's important in all kinds of areas in your life. If you play sports, for example, uh, even if you get to the highest level of sports, you have certain rhythms that you keep doing that you were doing even when you were just starting out. Last summer, uh, Bella and I went to a Red Sox game, and we're, I'm watching them warm up before the game. And these professional baseball players who have been doing this all their life, at college, high school, all this, they're doing the same drills that my daughter's middle school so uh, softball team is doing. I mean, they're fielding grounders, they're playing long toss in the outfield, they're doing the same exact things, even though this, they do this for 162 games a year, and they do this all their life, and they get paid for it, but the same drills they keep doing 
in order to make sure they stay sharp. Same thing with professional musicians, right? You ever go to the BSO and you're at Symphony Hall and you get there a little early and they're warming up and you hear the same warm-up drills that you would hear if you went to a middle school band. I mean, they might sound a little bit better, but they're doing the same scales, the same. They're, They're warming up because these rhythms are important. And I'm finding in life that I think regular rhythms, and I'm finding in my life with, with, with my walk with Christ, that regular rhythms throughout the year are important to stay focused on those things that are important in life. Um, and, and I think sometimes we miss this, but we're trying to recognize this more at Mount Hope in various ways. And in the last couple of years, we've been really focused on this idea of how do we live as dedicated followers of Christ in a world that is increasingly not living that way? How do we live as committed followers to Jesus in the midst of a culture that seems to be becoming increasingly secular and increasingly going in a different direction? And one of the things I think we're realizing is you've got to be working on a different clock. You've got to be working on a different calendar. You've got to have things in your life that are regular pillars that will keep you focused on the things that are most important. And so we've tried to do this in some ways in the past. I mean, Christmas time, you see us recognize the Advent season in the church calendar, right? Uh, We've been doing that for years. And you might think, well, we just like to light a few candles in church and see some people come up and read scripture. And that's nice. But really, it's a time to say, hey, we're not going to miss this important moment in our faith. We're not going to miss the fact that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we ought to stop and pause for longer than a day and remember that truth of our faith. And that's been really helpful. We've also been, you've, maybe you've noticed, uh, we've been having communion a lot more than we used to. Um, for several of our series, uh, we've been taking communion every week. And one of the reasons is we're trying to say, you know what, this is a helpful thing for us to remember as off, you know, more often in our lives. It helps us remember who Christ is. It helps us keep that at our forefront and our focus. One of the other things in what's called the liturgical calendar, the liturgical year, is this season of Lent. And it's the 46 days before Easter, starting on Ash Wednesday and going up to Easter Sunday. And I think this is another thing that can be helpful as a rhythm in our year to remember something and keep our focus on something that's critical as Christians. That's not the manger this time, and, uh, but it is, and it's not the empty tomb yet. But in those 46 days leading up to Easter, it's this point that I think is important for us to remember. To live a focused Christian life, you must focus on the cross. And we spend that time, those four weeks leading from Christmas, focusing on the manger and the incarnation. And I think we're really good at that. Like, like I feel like as Christians, this is a time of year where we want to make sure we focus on Jesus. We'll do pageants, you know, we'll do stuff to do. That's awesome. And I also think, as Christians, we're often pretty good at focusing on the empty tomb. Like, Resurrection Sunday is a big celebration, and we'll talk about that Jesus was raised from the dead every Sunday, and the fact that what this means, and it's empowering for you, and it means that that death is not the end, it's a comma, not a period, death is a transition, because Jesus overcame it, and you don't have to fear it. So we're good at the empty tomb. 
But between the manger and the empty tomb, there was a cross that we mention and we talk about, but I don't think we dwell upon as much as the scriptures would have us dwell upon it, as much as God would have us dwell upon it. Um, that idea of that, that place where this took place, where, where our salvation was accomplished. We have a good Friday service at Mount Hope, but to be honest, that's kind of unusual for a Protestant church. There's not a, that, that not every Protestant church would have a good Friday service. But still, even that one day, I don't think it's enough for us to accomplish this idea of staying focused on the cross for a substantial amount of time. If you read through the New Testament, it's not just the resurrection that is focused on. There's many scriptures that just say, look at the cross and look what Jesus did. I just want to share with you two this morning, and they both come from 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Paul was writing to the church at Corinth, and he's, he's, he's writing uh, to a church that is experiencing division. They're arguing with each other. They're kind of splitting apart. They have all kinds. Of, and one of the things they're arguing over is which preacher they like best, believe it or not. This didn't start with the podcast age in the 21st century. They were arguing about which preacher they followed. Some were saying, I follow Apollos. Some were saying, I follow Paul. And what they were saying about Paul was, you know, Paul isn't that great of a speaker. He, he's not as eloquent as some of the other speakers, preachers that come through. Because, of course, they weren't watching him stream online. They, were, they would come through town and, you know, they would, they would be there for a little while and then they would move on. And they were kind of saying, well, Paul's not as eloquent as some of these others. And it was causing division in the church. And so Paul writes a letter to them, and this is one of the things he addresses. But he doesn't address it by saying, you know, I am a good speaker. He doesn't address it by sending his CV or his resume and, and letting him know how good he is or, or, you know, he doesn't. He points them in a completely different direction. He points them to the cross. So 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse uh, 22 says this. It says, for Jews demand signs, and Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and folly to the Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. In other words, what Paul says is, look, you're looking for these great speakers, and you're looking for someone to come with power and miracles, and you're looking for someone to come with wisdom and, and, and you know, these great philosophical lectures. But you know what we come with? We're just coming to preach Christ crucified. And it's really interesting to me that he doesn't say we're coming to preach the resurrection or the empty tomb or the manger. Those things are important. He talks about them in other places. But here he says we're coming to preach Christ crucified that the Messiah came and he died and he laid down his life so that you might have life. And you ought not move past that because that is the most significant thing I think Paul is saying that you can hear from us. That God died for you, that you might have life in him. And we ought not rush past that. 
Next chapter, in chapter 2, Paul continues, and he's talking about this argument that's going on within them, and he says, and I, when I came to you, brothers, I did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with, here it is, lofty speech or wisdom, for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Paul says, that's all I knew. You want lofty speech, you want these fancy lectures, you want all this stuff to entertain you, you want these things. You know, you want, he said, all I come with is Christ crucified. All I come with is this message of the cross. That God himself came down and he gave his life and he died on a cross so that you might have life. And that's all I have. And that's enough. And I think spending 40 days ahead of our celebration of Resurrection Sunday is good and right to say we should focus and look and think about this more. Because just like there were divisions in the church at Corinth in the first century, we've got divisions in the church in America in the 21st century. And we're seeing them all over the place and maybe we're seeing them louder than we have before with social media and they're being broadcast everywhere and and we're seeing all kinds of division that has taken place between people who love Jesus and call themselves followers of Jesus Christ. And maybe it's happened to you during COVID or something that, or during an election, that someone who you were going to church with, someone who loved Jesus and you used to talk to them and now you're not talking to them. And yet you're both sitting in churches someplace. And I think one of the solutions for that is what Paul wrote to the Corinthian church. And that's to take time and don't rush past the cross of Christ for two reasons. One is obvious. You have that common belief and trust in the cross. That ought to unite you as brothers and sisters in Christ. But the second is because the cross is not only the way Jesus accomplished your salvation, it's also the way you are called to live as a follower of Christ. That you and I are called to follow the ways of Jesus and to live a cruciform life, a life in the form of the cross, a life in the form of Christ who died on the cross, a life that is laying down his rights for the sake of others. That's what Jesus did. He did not have to give up his life. No one took it from him. He voluntarily gave it out of love. The cross is is not simply the place that your salvation was accomplished, but it was the ultimate model of how we are to live our lives. And many of the divisions that I think we see within the church are are, are partly because I want to say, what do you do with the cross? When we're trying so hard to grab for what's ours and assert our rights instead of laying down our rights voluntarily and showing sacrificial love to others, I wonder if we've lost a view of the cross and the Lord that we serve and the way that he served us. 
And so I think it's good and right, a right rhythm that we would have. And we as pastors think it would be a right rhythm that we would have that every year going into Resurrection Sunday, going into the celebration of Easter, that we would take some time and say, you know what, let's take these 40 days. And let's take some time focusing on the cross and not miss it and not rush past it. Lent can be, I think, a helpful, as I've been learning more about it, a helpful rhythm that helps us to focus on the cross. I think it's one of the rhythms in our life that can help us with that. And I've been learning about it. I didn't know a lot about it. I've been getting educated on it. It goes way back um, to maybe second, third century we definitely see some writings of the church that were saying the 40 days leading up to Easter that, that Christians were taking time to uh, focus on repentance, to focus on sin, to focus on um, uh, mourning and aspects of their life, fasting. It was a time of fasting. Um, and it goes way back to like the second or third century as a practice of the church. It's something the church found helpful. There were three major aspects to it. Fasting, which probably, I'm guessing many of you that are familiar with it, are familiar with the fasting part. Uh, it's uh, prayer and then almsgiving, uh, or giving to the poor, were the three major aspects of it. All three important aspects for any Christian. It is, I'll admit, it's a man-made aspect. You're not going to find Lent in the Bible in that sense, although it is based really around those 40 days of preparation of ministry that Jesus fasted before going into ministry. It's kind of what it brings its roots back. Even, some of you might say, even our celebration of Christmas and Easter, well, weren't those originally pagan holidays? And, and actually, yeah, they went back. The, the dates that they're set on, for example, December 25th, uh, I don't hope this isn't a shock to you, but that's probably not the day that Jesus was born. Uh, it's definitely not the day that Jesus was born. It was, uh, he was, it was more towards the spring, but it was. It was a pagan festival that was celebrated then. And you know what the Christians said? Um, nope, we're not going to celebrate that. We're going to find a different thing to celebrate that day. We're going to celebrate the incarnation of Jesus. And so they took that day and they said, we're going to do this on that day. So yeah, not biblical roots to it, but I think redeemed for Christian purposes. Throw it out if it's not helpful, but use it if it is helpful. I think a similar thing with Lent. If it's not helpful, I understand, don't, you, there's nothing in the Bible that says you've got to follow this, but I'm just presenting it as a practice that I think might be helpful to us to become more like Christ and to think a little bit more about what the cross means to our faith and to spend some time in repentance and thinking about our own life in these ways. A couple other things about Lent uh, that I was learning. One is it is 46 days. Ash Wednesday to Easter Sunday, if you're counting, it's more than 40 days. It's 46 days. Uh, but it's 40 days of fasting. Well, how does that work? That's some funny math, right? Uh, the reason is because the Sundays aren't included in the fast. Um, Sundays are a celebration day. And so Sundays aren't included. So the 40 days don't include fasting on the Sundays. And at first, in fact, one person in our meeting said, yeah, I always kind of considered that a cop-out. 
uh, I'm putting words in there. That's kind of the way they said it. They said, you know, it was kind of like, oh, you can't really fast the whole time. You got to take some days off. But I actually think there's actually some strong theology that's important there. To recognize that, yep, we live on the other side of the empty tomb. We know Jesus rose again. We know all this. We know all that. We're not pretending that didn't happen. But we're also recognizing that we live in a time where all things have not yet been made new. And so we'll have the celebrations on Sundays when we gather together. And maybe that's a time where you'll break your fast and, and you won't hold to it because we're celebrating the resurrected Lord. But we also, in those 40 days, are remembering the world's not made new completely yet. The theological, the, the theological way to put it is already not yet, is, is often what theologians will say. In other words, Jesus, yes, has already come. Yep, came, lived, died, rose again, and the kingdom of God and the church was formed, and it was started and inaugurated. But it is not yet culminated. It's not yet finished. So you and I are living between the already and the not yet. And you feel that. You feel it anytime you're sick. You feel it at the loss of a loved one. You feel it this week when you hear the news coming out of the Ukraine. When you hear that one sovereign nation is invading another sovereign nation simply because it can and it's stronger, and it wants to take what it wants to take, and you realize our world is broken. And you remember, our world is broken. It's filled with broken people, sinful people, that are making selfish decisions, and we ought not miss that. In fact, instead, we ought to take time to see that, to mourn about that, to pray about that, and to say, God, we are looking forward to what has not yet taken place. We're looking forward to the time when all things are made new. We're looking forward to the time when there's no tears, no sickness, no disease. All of that's what's promised. But right now, we live here. And so, Lord, we take time, as Romans 8 says, to groan with all creation, waiting for the day when we will be fully redeemed. Waiting when we're sick and our bodies are ill and we, we groan, Romans 8 says, waiting for the days that our bodies will be fully redeemed and made new. But it's not yet. And so it's good and it's right for us to take a season of the year, especially where we look and we say, God, our hearts break for what's still broken. And this is why the cross was needed. And this was God's solution where perfect justice and perfect mercy meet. And so we stay focused on that and on that time. And it's a good time of year to do that. And so I would ask you this question as we think about this. Where do you, where do you live an unobstructed view? Where do you live with an unobstructed view of the cross? Or how can you during these next 46 days or so get more of an unobstructed view of the cross. I think that's part of what Lent is supposed to do. Help you to see the cross better. Help you to see Christ better. How many of you ever went to the old garden and sat behind a pole 
Am I the only one? Yeah. You can still go to Fenway and sit behind a pole here and there. They've, they've tried to fix it, but there's still a few seats. I mean, you do it because the tickets are cheaper, right? But you're sitting behind that pole, and the reason the tickets are cheaper is because they know that there's something right in the way of seeing what's most important to you. You got an obstructed view. I think many of us live our lives with an obstructed view of the cross. We've got a lot of things in our lives that distract us. We've got a lot of things in our lives that take our eyes elsewhere. We've got plenty of things to keep us busy. And we've got things to keep us busy when we're not busy. And so what, do you, what could you do in the next 46 days to give yourself a more unobstructed view of the cross of Christ? So that's the fasting aspect, right? If I could look at it in three words, you know, I'd look at give up, give over, and give to. What could you give up that would give you more of an unobstructed view of the cross of Christ? How can that help you give over more time to spending with God? What might God open up and put on your heart to give to a person or a need in the world to be more like Christ? There's all kinds of things that you can consider giving up, and I know some of you that raised your hand earlier, you already know, you were forced to give up something maybe by your parents. You know, all you knew was for 46 days you couldn't have candy or something like that. And you didn't know why, maybe, and you weren't sure what it was, but you just knew that's what it was. But let me just talk to you now as someone who's an adult follower of Jesus Christ, that if you would consider what you might take out of your life to set aside so that you might have more time to focus on Christ. And it's not, let me, let me just give you a couple of clarifications. It's not giving up a sin. Not because you shouldn't give up sin. But because that's not what fasting is. If you've got a sin in your life, just get rid of it. Like, turn away. You ought to repent of that today and run the other direction. Fasting isn't, I'm going to stop sinning in this area of my life for 40 days. That's not what fasting is. Fasting is taking something that's good, that is otherwise allowable in your life, and saying, you know what? I'm going to set this aside for a time for the sake of of spending more time and more focus on God. It's, spend, it's, it's taking something in your life that is taking up space in your life, whether it's time or money or attention or whatever it is, and saying, I am going to voluntarily choose to sacrificially set that aside so that I might spend more time focusing on Christ and his cross and what he's done for me. And so would you consider doing that? Would you consider looking and, and, and taking God up on that challenge of doing that and setting that aside and seeing if God will meet you in a deeper way in that place? And for some of you who are, you know, you've already turned me off and you're like, tried it. I am not going back to that. I'm not doing it. I just challenge you. Would, would you just take, you know, I feel like a guy on TV, take the 46 day challenge. <laughs> 
I feel, but, but that's kind of what it is. I, I feel like that, just take it. Would you be so bold to say, you know what, God, I'm going to set this aside. I'm going to give this up for, for this period of time. And I am expecting, and I am looking for you to meet me in ways that I have never met with you before. Because I'm going to dedicate myself. I, here's what I believe, that Romans 4.8 is true. Where God says, if you will draw close to me, I will draw close to you. And I believe God will be faithful to that text and faithful to that word. You know what we do? Here, here's the bottom line. We, I don't think, spend enough time in, in the Protestant, evangelical, Pentecostal, whatever church, tribe, how you want to describe, label you want to put on it. We, I don't think, spend enough time saying, you know what? What can we get rid of so that I can focus more time and attention on Christ? It's good. You can keep it if you want, whatever that is in your mind. I'm just asking, would you consider giving it up, whatever that is, whatever's coming to your mind, whatever you're thinking about, whatever God puts on your heart, that you might know him more. Here's some questions to consider that Tish Oxenreiter, uh, in her book, uh, Bitter and Sweet, a Lent Devotional. That's one you, consider re- you can consider reading. Here's some questions you can consider. And as I'm going through these, uh, the ushers are going to pass out some uh, devotional books to you. We're going to give you a Lent devotional book to take home with you today and that you can keep and go through. But here's some questions to consider. Have I become overly dependent on a particular sustenance, substance, or practice lately? Is there something in your life that, you know what, you've become so dependent on that it's become almost a controlling influence in your life? I believe as a Christian, nothing ought to control you and have that kind of influence over you other than Christ. Is there something you cannot live without that you need to, you know what, discipline yourself off of? for a period of time. Here's another question. Which appetites have a unique grip on my body or soul these days? Is there something in your life that has a unique grip on you that you need to let loose? What would be a genuinely challenging but not burdensome fast? I think that's a realistic question. And finally, or what would be truly freeing to leave behind? What will be truly freeing to leave behind? And finally, and, my, and the most importantly, what do I sense God calling me to? What do I sense God calling me to? Whether, whatever you think about Lent, and I can, our worship team, if you guys want to make your way back up, whatever you think about Lent, that's fine. Whatever you do with what I said, that's fine. I understand. We, everyone has, comes from different traditions, different places, and maybe you're going to take today and you're going to go, can you believe pastor preached on Lent? It's fine. But I will tell you this. Fasting, praying, giving over, these are all in the Bible. These are biblical practices God calls us to. This is the way of life God calls us. This is the cruciform life. A life that voluntarily denies myself of certain things that I might focus more attention, turn from them and focus more attention on God, that I might take a time to look at my own mortality, my own flesh, my own life, and say, God, where do I need to change to be more like Christ? That's biblical. 
You can do it in 40 days before Easter. You can do it in 40 days before Christmas. You can do it wherever you want, but we ought to be doing it. We ought to be looking at our lives, seeing what needs to be shed. Where can I set things aside to be more like Christ? Where can I spend more time focusing on who Christ is? And where can I be more of a loving neighbor, giving over to those around me, to the poor, and to those in need in a greater way? And I think 40 days before Easter is as good a time as any to spend time asking those questions, looking at where our life can look more like Christ. So the team's gonna play when I survey the wondrous cross, and I'm gonna pray that God will speak to you and share with you a place or something in your life. And I'm praying that God will speak to me, show me a place in my life, something that I should be giving up or setting aside for the sake of giving over more of myself to the God that I serve. The ushers are going to bring communion to you uh, while we do this. And after this song, we'll close our service out by receiving and celebrating communion together. So this devotional that I gave you, last um, instruction on that, um, I found this helpful. There's lots of them out there, but this one is, well, it's actually written around some um, songs uh, that are uh, about the cross. It's called The Wondrous Cross. Um, and the team's going to sing that song in just a moment. But each one is written around different songs about the cross. And then there, in the beginning, there's different ways to break it up uh, into eight-week sessions around Lent or in Holy Week or the Easter season. But here's what I'm asking. Here's what we're asking. Would you not read this alone? That you would find someone who you would uh, go through this with. Like maybe you'll read them on your own and then you'll get together for coffee or a phone call during the week and you'll say, you know, we both read the devotion. You know, what is God saying to you? What's God saying to me? Okay, I'll pray for you. I'll pray for me. It could be as simple as that. But we want to be able to connect you to each other in this. You could do it with uh, another person. You could do it with a small group or you can do it with a couple groups that are forming at the church. So, Pastor Marvin had you download that app earlier. If you would open up that app that just got downloaded to your phone, you'll see one of the tabs at the bottom says groups. If you hit that, you'll see it says Lenten devotional groups. And we've got a few that have formed. There's a list of them there, and, and we hope that several more will form. But that you would, that's one aspect where you can get a chance to be a part of a group, go over a home once a week for four weeks, we're asking them to meet and focus on these ideas of the cross and what God is doing. And you can talk through this together. So don't do it alone. Do it with others. And so uh, that's my encouragement, my challenge to you. Lord, would you speak to us? Father, the truth is, we are not very good at being honest with and about ourselves. And Lord, there are things in our lives that if we would let go of them, that if we would release them, that if we would discipline ourselves to fast from them, that I believe that you would meet us in a greater way. And Lord, show us things that we would not see otherwise about ourselves, about you, and about your world. And so, Lord, I pray that you would speak to us even now. 
Lord, even as we sing this song, I ask that your Holy Spirit would be speaking to each individual in this room. Make it clear what you are calling us to. Lord, show us that. Speak to us by your Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand and we'll sing this song.